Welcome to Small Business Celebration, and we're continuing our series on small business owners that are getting the move on. And our guests this week, well, they are known for a thousand pounds of fish a week and a whole lot more. This is Small Business Celebration. Welcome, where we chat with real business owners who have real success and learn from them about what works, what doesn't, and who want you to know that there's a light at the end of the tunnel and it's not a train. Join us where you can learn something that you can use today to grow a strong and profitable business. Welcome to Small Business Celebration, and our guest this week is Rick Mossman, the owner of Mossman's Catering, and we are here at Westchester Bowl, and for visioneers who don't know who you are, yes. who are you and what is it that you do? Uh, my name is Rick Mossman. I'm the owner and operator of Mossman's Coffee Shops and Catering Company. Now, the reason we are here is Rick is one of the very few retreads here on Small Business Celebration. He was, he was back during episode 007 when we were just a podcast, and he's been kind enough to rejoin us again and tell us more family stories because that's part of the reason why his downloads are so high is because of the family stories. So watch out, hold on, this is going to be a blast. <laughs> but, <laughs> but first of all, how many generations is the Mossman business? This is going to be third generation. Third generation. Yes. And it started off with your... My grandfather on my father's side started it. He came to town with the uh, oil company okay. as a general uh, as an accountant and uh, controller for one of the oil companies in town. He kept putting on picnics for them. They just said they ought to own a restaurant, so we started to buy a restaurant and do that. And then it was your uncle who took it over? My uncle and my father both worked in the restaurants as the two brothers. Oh, and uh, okay. well, they do all kind of, they've done everything there was to do to the restaurants and do the catering, both of them. Yeah, in I, fact, I heard a story that one of them used to do the restaurants and one of them used to do the catering, and then they'd complain about each other and then they'd switch. <laughs> so and then they'd switch jobs, or then the other one would do the catering, they don't want to do the restaurants for a while. So. And, and then they get sick of it and, and switch they back switch and back, get, eventually, like, yes. Exactly. Uh -huh. Now, at what point, because one of the things about Mossman's is you're well-known for your fish and chips. Right, thank it, you. Did that come along with your grandfather or did that come along with your, your uncle and dad or, or when did the whole fish and chips part get integrated? My grand, there's a lot of stories about the fish and chips. <laughs> the, the one where it started, I'm sure, was with my grandfather. Oh, you're sure. You're not entirely yeah. sure. <laughs> no, yeah, well, I'm sure it's with my grandfather. And uh, he started the business. And I always said if you get an all-star on your menu, which is defined as something that people leave home to come get from you at the restaurant mm -hmm. is uh, that you have more than one thing that's unique on that specific item. Mm -hmm. So the fish was unique and the coleslaw dressing that he made was unique and handmade uh -huh. and the homemade bread was unique. The uh, french fries, anybody can get french fries there. Right. But once he did homemade tartar sauce, homemade coleslaw dressing, homemade bread, and homemade fish, right. there's like two or three individual homemade things that you can't get anywhere else. And it really started the fish going to where we're using over a thousand pounds a week now of that fish. A thousand pounds of yes. fish. A week. Yeah. A week. <laughs> that, wow. That's a whole story in itself. Maybe we'll talk about that later. <laughs> Did you ever have the intention of going into the family business when you came of age and went to college? I did think about it, yes. In fact, at the time when I was married, we were thinking about buying a coffee shop and getting that going. Right. Uh, and it was down the street a little bit for my grandfather's, and I went and talked to my grandfather about it and went over it with him, and I can only imagine what he was really thinking. <laughs> but what he really said to me, he said, how much money do you have? Right. And I said, well, I think I have $10,000. 
And he kind of hung his head and said, oh, that's just enough to get in trouble with. <laughs> I didn't know what that meant at the time. I know now what that meant. But for some reason, it didn't quite go through. I actually went to college uh, and uh, have three degrees in, in business administration, in religion and psychology. I was planning on heading into the religion, uh, being youth minister at one time. Right. And then it required a thousand hours of on-the-job experience. Right. And as I realized when I got into doing those experience hours, that the church is sometimes a worse place than business <laughs> to be in business. Because the people in the boardrooms would always, God told me to paint it green, God told me to paint it red, God told me to paint it yellow. And I thought I'd rather be in the business boardrooms where at least they're being honest, we're trying to make money. <laughs> so I said, might as well go back to business and do that. <clears throat> When you started, when you were in college, yes. you were you went to college down in L.A. Yes, Zoo Pacific. That's okay, correct. played and football. You started your career going up and down the street looking for a dishwasher job. Yes, actually, uh, it, finding a job is a little different in those days. My grand, my, I was. This is what 1960s. Uh, I'm thinking no, probably 1980s. Okay. All right. And I was think, you know, right? I was taught that hey, if you can't find the dumpster and the back door to a restaurant, you don't belong there okay so you better figure out where the dumpster is in the back door you better walk in the back door and figure out what's going that? on because if you can't figure out how to get into a restaurant you might as well uh, not worry about it i heard a story from art linkletter one time do you have time for this sure, yeah. he was traveling the rails and he'd get on the trains throughout the country right and his father told him if he ever stopped in a town and got hungry just to walk in the back door of a restaurant and start washing dishes and he said when the owner comes and asks you the manager what are you doing just tell him you're hungry and he said that that's what he did when he was growing up. He would go on the railroads and he'd stop in a town and go in the back door and start washing dishes. And the, the thing, what are you doing here? They say, I'm just hungry. And they said, okay, keep washing dishes. So I went up and down the street back in college and I picked which restaurant I thought had the most to offer me that I thought was the most important for me to work at. And I picked a, a night uh, a dinner house restaurant called Lord Charlie's where they specialize in prime rib and wine. Right. And I decided that's where I wanted to work. So I went in the back door and talked to them and they told me there's no job available. We don't have anything for you. And I kept being persistent. And finally he admitted, hey, the only job we have is a dishwasher on Friday and Saturday nights, but you're going to college. I'm sure you won't want that job. <laughs> and I said, when do you want me? And he goes, well, we kind of need somebody tonight. I said, I'll be here. Don't worry about it. So I came and then worked my way up eventually in that chain from being a dishwasher through all the jobs to being general manager of the quarter of a 27 chain restaurant. Tell us about New Year's. Oh, gee. One time <laughs> shortly after I got done. Same restaurant, by the way. So, shortly after I got done uh, learning how to dishwash a little bit. Of course, I already knew how to dishwash from growing up that way, and they were very impressed. Uh, in fact, they sent me out to clean the uh, garbage can, which I found out later was their test to see if you were a good employee or not. Why is that? Because if you'll clean the garbage can to make it look good, they figure you're gonna do that with everything else. Ah, okay. So uh, I cleaned the garbage can, I came in, I said, hey, this is the best I can get this. And they looked at it and they said, we never had the garbage can that clean before in our life, so you're fine. And I've been there about, I don't know, maybe four, six, eight weeks, and he came and he took his keys out of his pocket and he handed the big wad of keys as every good restaurant manager has, their big wad of keys, and he gave them to me while I was washing dishes. And I said, what's that for? And he says, well, it's New Year's. And I said, well, what difference does that make? And he says, well, in those days, all the managers are going to get drunk. We want to be sure somebody locks the restaurant up and gets everything turned off. Right. And I said, okay. So I, so I took his keys and I think I made sure one of them got home that night and something or another. So that was, that was a fun story. 
since uh, and yes. so I like where do I go from no, no, there? No, no. <laughs> you know? But you have you you bought the business from your uncle. Yeah, actually, I bought it from my grandmother. Okay. Uh, I was, in fact, that's kind of a funny story. I don't know if you want to hear that story. My <laughs> grandfather was uh, on his deathbed at his house. Uh -huh. And uh, I went to visit him, and he looked me in the eye, and he said, do you know what would happen if you ever got a hold of the restaurant that I've had, and it became your restaurant? And I was just young enough to know exactly what I would do. But that's not what you say to your grandfather. Okay. You say, no, sir, I don't have any idea what I do. And he told me to keep my mouth shut, and let the employees teach me how to run the place. Because he had employees that had been there for decades. And I thought that was the dumbest thing I'd ever heard. <laughs> and he passed away. I started buying it for my grandmother, and I remember paying her $1,000 a month for three, four, five years or something like that. Right. And uh, the more I kept my mouth shut and let the employees tell me how to run the place, the more successful I became at that time. And the restaurant was start off just at Westchester. No, actually, it was all over. We had five or six restaurants and catering. It was an afterthought to get this restaurant. It's our flagship at Westchester. It's our oldest restaurant. And what happened is my grandfather knew very well the man who started the bowling alley that was here. Uh, His name was Pete Loki. Right. And the story I heard was that as most good business deals happen, it happened over a toddy at the bar <laughs> late at night. And Mr. Loki was concerned that he wanted my grandfather to do the food here. My grandfather was absolutely adamant that he was not going to do that because it was just a coffee shop and a bowling alley. Right. And he didn't want to have anything to do with it. He had multiple restaurants and a catering business. Right. And sure enough, somehow, by the end of that toddy, they shook hands. And for $400 a month, my grandfather had this restaurant, which is now the oldest coffee shop in town. If visioneers want to learn more about Mossman's Catering, and because we haven't even gotten into the whole catering no, side of no, things yet. yet. We're just talking about the origin story of, sure. of Mossman's. But if visioneers want to come to Westchester Bowl or Southwest Lanes, which we'll talk about later, how do they get in touch with you and how do they do that? Get in touch with me personally. One thing I like about my business card is one side has a restaurant, so one side has catering. At the bottom of the catering is a phone number. That's my personal cell phone number. And it, it will ring on my phone. Okay. You can circumvent all the message systems, get close to me and my famous saying is, I may not always get it, I may not always answer, but I always get it. Uh, so they can get straight to me. And my phone number is 661-330-4410. We have a website, website is Mossman's Catering. Uh, we have a very good website with lots of pictures of our catering and things. And our goal is to eventually get to where you can order online. We're having our whole system redone now so that we can get our computers and our phone system up so you can start to order online. Can people follow you on social media? I think so. We have. <laughs> I, I hate to admit it, but I'm one of those guys, I can't figure my phone out until my kids are in town. Sure. And so um, we do have a Mossman's webpage and a Facebook page, and I assign one of my people who's very technological about it to take care of that. You know, in the olden days at McDonald's when they had uh, registers, they would have to put the picture of the milkshake so the person would know what button to push right. so they could order a milkshake. Right. They claim now the employees, while you're gone on your break, they can reprogram your register for you and you'll never know it. So I count on my employees to help me with the uh, technical part of it. And I assign the people that seem the best to keep up with that stuff. And if you enjoy Small Business Celebration, go ahead and like, subscribe, and notify. And when we come back, we are going to talk about what happens when the fourth generation doesn't want to do the business anymore. When we come right back. California's CalSavers program due date of June 30th is just around the corner. And if you don't have a retirement plan set up for your employees by then, you could be in real trouble. 
Fortunately, you have options. You also have a contact that will help you and your business with your best intentions in mind. Call Debbie Sharpentier of Sharpentier Wealth Strategies at 661-322-5204 or visit her at sharpentierwealth.com and discover what plans she can help you with that will keep you in compliance and provide for a better future for your employees. Call Debbie Sharpentier of Sharpentier Wealth Strategies at 661 621- 322-5204 that's 661-322-5204 or visit her at sharpentierwealth.com today. Debbie Sharpentier is a registered representative of Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation, a broker-dealer member SIPC, and a registered investment advisor. Sharpentier Wealth Strategies is a marketing name for registered representatives of Lincoln Financial Advisors CRN-4200694-011822. I'm here with Rick Mossman, the owner of Mossman's Kitchens Catering and what is the name of this business again? It's Mossman's Coffee Shops and Catering Company, or whatever you want to call it. I don't care. But it seems like everybody's got their own version of the name for it. Yes, and I'm glad about that. They kind of have special names for the place, and it's kind of like going to somewhere where you know your own special thing. But they always feel at home, so I'm glad. And everybody yeah. I talk to just calls it Mossman's. That's it. That's about it. That's about it. Well, our visionary question comes from Maria, who asks... We have been in the family business for three generations and my children do not want to carry on the family tradition. How do you come to terms with that family business that will either be sold or go away when we retire? That's a great question. And uh, that's something you've grappled, I've grappled with. And it's, because your children have no oh, desire to yeah. take over the company. The tagline, of course, for me is always, I always hope my kids are smarter than me, and I think they are. <laughs> so they don't want to go into this business. Right. And, and I used to be bothered about that, but I almost don't blame them, so to speak. It reminds me, I have three kids, a girl, a girl, and a boy. And when I was getting ready to have the third child, we didn't know which if it was boy or a girl. Right. And of course, I wanted a boy. Right. Now, up until two weeks before the baby was born, I started to realize that that's so much pressure to put on him if he's born as if it's a boy, because right. all these expectations I have of him. Uh, and I realized that wasn't really fair. Right. And it really didn't matter, you know, as long as it was here, and it was ours, and it was healthy, and it was loved. It didn't really matter if it was a boy or a girl, and I kind of got over that. Right. So the same has happened for me in business. This is what I want for them, and that's what I expect, because it'll meet my needs. But as time goes on, honestly, if you don't love to serve, and you don't love to be in this business, and don't love to work hard, and this isn't your, your goal and your heart, don't get into this business. Don't do it. Right. Uh, it's not something that you should do. And so if they've chosen not to do it as I get older, that's okay. If they really had a heart for it, that would be different. But I'm glad they're doing what they have heart for. Are you thinking or considering of selling the business to an outside interest group or selling it to the employees or just close it entirely? My friend asked me a while ago, what's your exit strategy? Right. And I had to have him explain that to me because I never thought about that. I didn't go to business school. Oh, wait. You didn't. Yeah, I know. What the heck is that? And so um, what we've actually come up with is in part of motivation for my managers, I uh, found one or two that I think are really good. I'm paying them extra money, and they take that extra money and put it into an account. And at the end of five or six uh, years, they're going to give that money back to me if they decide to as a down payment on the business. Because kids don't have any, they don't right. necessarily have any money or resources right now. Right. And so as that's part of their motivation to keep working. Uh, they pay the payroll taxes on that, and then they pay it back to me as a down payment. So I hope that'll work out, and then it can become what they want it to become, or uh, you know, tweak it the way they want it for their own personal to make something they want to do out of it. And maybe they end up having four or five locations. That's, or seven <laughs> or 12 or one. I don't care. Sure, Whatever. Sure, sure. 
you know, as long as I like to serve, that's what I think is important. And a thousand pounds of fish. A thousand pounds of fish a week. <laughs> do you really want to hear that story? Let me know when you want to hear that story. I'll tell you that story. But before we do that, the, the question, sure. the story I want to hear is the story about when you, before you, you got into the family business, you were still making the rounds, still learning from other businesses, yes. other restaurants, yes. and that, that ended, ended up becoming invaluable. Very much As so. you became the owner. Very much so. You worked for a restaurant here in town called Cask and Cleaver. That's correct, I did. And you were a manager? I was a manager, and I was one of the punk managers there. Punk and manager. It was just the youngest one, and everybody else was up above. And uh, I remember walking in the first day, and I said, I'm the manager. And we sat in the office, and it had glass windows so you could watch the people do their work. Right. And uh, <clears throat> the, the employees were bad-mouthing the managers. Oh. Those SOB, they think they know what they're doing. And I got up to go defend myself. And the other managers, hey, 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 sit down. And I go, well, you heard what they said. And they said, we can hear everything they say, but they don't know it. So just sit down and keep your mouth shut, and we'll know everything they're thinking and saying. And I go, okay. And that's what they did. But the, the other one I had to tell was one Friday night. It was so busy in there. I mean, it was just crazy busy. And I was running around and trying to do everything and checking the tables, checking the cooks and doing all this stuff. And for the first time in my life in the restaurant business, it was overwhelming. Yeah. I, I just couldn't take one more minute of it. And I've never yeah. been that kind of person. I, it, was too, it was too much. So I actually went in the walk-in and I closed the walk-in door. This is the walk-in freezer. Walk-in freezer. And I just wanted to be I just want to take a breath to, you know, just for one minute. I think we did 500 people that night or something in the restaurant, but I just want to take a breath. And I look over my shoulder in the back of the walk-in and the other managers are in there drinking a beer. <laughs> and they look at me and they say, what took you so long? We abandoned you on the floor 20 minutes ago. We were wondering, taking bets, how long you'd last out there all by yourself. And so I just, I never, they just, but they set me up and got me going. It was kind of fun. But there was also something else you also discovered mm -hmm. through all this. And it was trying to live up to your grandfather's and your father's expectations. Oh yeah, it was once my grandfather passed away and my dad passed away and my uncle passed away. I was the only one here carrying on the tradition. And I um, would come down every day and their voices were always in my head mm. about what to do and how to do this. Oh, if he came in, he wouldn't like this. And if this one came in, he wouldn't like, and I need to do this and I need to do that. And I gotta be sure and do this. And it drove me crazy because I couldn't ever meet all their expectations. Mm. And so one day I remember, I just had come to, into my rope and into my wits and I came through the door and I said, you know what? I'm not gonna work for dead guys anymore. And I hate to say that out loud, but I'm not gonna work for dead guys anymore. And that was the moment when it started to become more of my personality than their personality. So we have a lot of things that are in common, but some things are unique to me and some things that they did that we don't do anymore. And I don't work for dead guys anymore. I work for the, my guests that are here right now and for the family and things. One of the big changes I noticed is the logo. Okay, yes. Because the logo of Mossman's uh -huh. is very different now than it was 20 years ago. Yes, and, yes. And when you were working for dead guys. Right. Take us through why is the change in the logo? Because McDonald's, there's a reason why they have the same logo for yes. the last hundred years. But yes. to change logo, that's a big deal. Oh yeah, if you look at the logos, they actually explain the history of the restaurant. The first logo that my grandfather had was block letters. Mm -hmm. It looked like all business. It looked like out of the depression. It looks like we go to work, we get our job done, we're responsible. My uncle uh, took it over and when he took it over, he was actually involved somewhat with uh, the business down in uh, in Hollywood down there, the 9,000 building, and he knew Burt Sugarman, which had the uh, 
Midnight Special, if you remember right, that. Right. And he had Burt Sugarman design the logo when he took over for my grandfather. And it looked like the 1960s, you know, the peace love kind of thing. Sure. And it looked real nice. And then when I took it over, it was so nice. I went to the, the guy at uh, Dominic at Wall Street, T-shirt company, right. and he was over at another place. And I said, hey, I need a logo, but what do I do? And he goes, just a minute. And he got some guy on the phone from L.A. And I started describing to the guy uh, what I was what I was about and what I was looking for. And the guy sent up a, a piece of paper with three different logos of what he thought he heard me say. Right. And I took what I like from this one and what I like from this one, like on this one, Adam to put it together. And he put it together. And our logo now is the red and white checkered tablecloth. It looks like a picnic. Right. And it's a coffee cup for a coffee shop. And it's like a dead fish sitting in the coffee cup because <laughs> it's about fish and chips. And it looks just like who we are. They did a great job on that. One of the things that you also just mentioned yes. <clears throat> The importance of listening to your employees. Oh my gosh, yes. Tell us, uh, tell us the story about Andy. Well, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you a story about Andy. <laughs> I, I got another story too. The, uh, the short one. I have a catering manager that I had for ten years, and she was very good. And I learned if she asked me the same question three times, it meant I wasn't listening, and I got the wrong answer. Uh, hey, is this yes or no? It's no. Uh, Rick, you want to have this yes or no? No. Rick, you know, if you want to think about this, you want to get, I go, okay, what didn't I listen to? What do I need to understand? And she'd explain it, and I'd go, oh, the answer is yes. Sorry. <laughs> but this Andy was an amazing guy. He worked for us. Uh, he was an African-American gentleman that dishwashed from the time he was 15 and a half. He found the back door. He found the back door. And he started, <laughs> his, his mother worked for my grandfather, actually, is what it was. And when he was, when he came to me one week when he was uh, on a Tuesday and said, my last day is going to be Friday. And I said, Andy, you can't leave. I don't know how to run the restaurant if you're not here. And he said, well, he, it was his birthday. He was 62. He started getting his Social Security. So from 15 and a half to 62, he worked here. Wow. Well, he'd been here so long. And he called him a dishwasher, but he made all the pies. He put all the orders away. He fixed all the equipment. You know, one of those guys. Right. He's the greatest guy. He used to drink on the job, too, but that's another story. <laughs> it took us a while to catch him on that, but we didn't finish. On Fridays, he had two. But <laughs> so anyway, he had earned three weeks vacation. And so he would leave for three weeks and I would take over his job as ordering. Right. The first week I ordered, the order was fine. We didn't run out of everything. It was a great thing to have happen. I'd come there. I thought I was a hero. And so the next week I started cutting everything back because I wanted to save money. And I owned the place. And I wanted to spend less money. Right. So I started cutting everything back. And by the end of the second week, we ran out of everything and everyone was screaming at me. <laughs> so the third week I had to over order and get more than we needed of everything. He got back from vacation and he always had two cases of napkins. Except on Wednesdays, he had one because the second case came in on Thursday. And he knew right where it went and where it went. And I had three cases of napkins sitting there and more cases of everything else that he'd ordered. And I had to go hide. Because <laughs> he would, what are you doing, Rick? Why did you order this? I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. And I learned this is what he says, this is what needs to be done, and this is how it needs to be done. And I learned to do what he said and just do what he said. So it was very helpful. Pay attention to your employees. <laughs> exactly right. Absolutely right. That was something. When we come back, we're also going to talk about something that Rick has been doing and, and having some interesting results with here at Mossman's, which is, do you keep up with the times or not? Will we come? Right back. The reason we're talking with Rick Mossman, the owner of Mossman's Coffee Shops and Catering, is because of a visioneer question that came from a visioneer just like you. They wanted to find out, how do I pass off the family business if I don't 
have any errors. So if you've got a question, you got a thought, something you'd like to learn about here on Small Business Celebration, reach out to us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram, and let us know what you really want to learn here on Small Business Celebration. So reach out to us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram today. I'm here with Rick Mossman, the owner of Mossman's Catering and Coffee Shops. And our visionary question comes from Mario who asks, the buying habits across the country as a whole is changing, but not for the majority of my customers locally. They continue to buy the same thing they wanted 20 years ago. Is there a way to change my customers' habits to keep up with the national trends, or is that a losing proposition? Oh my gosh. I can give you so many answers on that. I won't give you wishy-washy one. I'll give you the, my answer, which is no. You can't change them. Don't do it. Don't try to keep up with the national trends. They're coming to your place for a reason. Sure. Before they get up and out of their seat, they know where their destination they want to go to. Do not change what you're doing. Uh, you can alter it a little bit, or I call it moving the pendulum just a little bit, but don't be something else that you're not, and don't stop being what got you where you are. That's a horrible thing to do. Don't take all those in. I know I went to my daughter. My daughter lives in Pasadena and they're a little trendy and you know I couldn't order a glass of water anymore because I had to order a bottle of water. Uh, and then as time went on, if you order a bottle of water, you're trying to kill the environment because you got too much plastic, so you have to get some, you know, they just change, don't do, don't waste time doing that. Be who you are and do what you do well. Is this because you learned this from first-hand experience? Oh yeah, I'd say so here, <laughs> yeah. I mean, nothing personal, but we don't offer the diet plate around here and uh, you know, it's just what we're known for. So if you want that kind of food somewhere else, then you'll go somewhere else. But I want to do what we do here real well. Is that one of the reasons why in your catering business you offer such a different plate of opportunity than you do at Westchester? Yeah, my catering business, my dad taught me that uh, what you're selling in catering is trust. You want them to trust you. Mm. And he and I used to argue all the time. He said they're not there for the food. They're just there at mealtime. And I used to argue him for a decade about that, but his said, your goal is not to do anything to detract from what they're trying to accomplish. Mm -hmm. So I work for the customer that comes in here. And if the customer at a catering event wants a steak and the person buying it wants a hot dog, we don't do it. Right. And the same way the other way around too. If the customer wants a hot dog and he wants to feed him a steak, we won't do that one either. Right. We'll do whatever makes the customer the happiest. And you have invested in a chef yes. whose specialty is five-star Michelin quality food. Oh, he's very, very good about stuff. It's something, again, it's our pendulum. You know, it's like, you know, maybe here's where we are and here's where the society says we're supposed to be. Don't go over there, but move just a little bit that way. Mm. And let it adjust your pendulum just a little bit. And yes, in fact, he went to Disneyland for a Valentine's Day night with his wife the other day, found a salad that he liked that one of those master chefs at Disneyland made, right. and he recreated it and added his own touch to it. And we served it as a fundraiser for the Boys and Girls Club a couple of nights ago for 40, 50 bucks a head. And it was a beautiful thing. It was just amazing. He really has a good talent for that. He's a very good guy. When you're not working at the restaurant, right. what do you like to do for fun? I try not to admit this. I'm glad nobody's going to know. I build Legos. <laughs> Legos? I get little okay. Lego things and I build those. I go running a lot. I, I right. read and study a lot. Uh, uh, if I watch something, I just fall asleep. Use their sports a little bit. But um, I get little Legos and it's so fun because nobody's bugging you and you have directions and you start with something and you finish and it comes out just perfect and there's no problems or anything and it relaxes my mind for some reason. Well, I'm glad to see I'm not the only one. <laughs> that's the only you know? that's and it's the weirdest thing. You do that too? And it's kind of it's just the strangest thing. But it's, I don't know why it's so comforting to me. I'm not a fanatic, but just to have something to keep my hands busy and to keep thinking and then it gets done when you get done and there's not problems, it gets all finished at once. I like that. So. Well, I know every Christmas, yes. without fail, uh -huh. both my mom 
and my wife yes. give me Legos. Oh, do they really? <laughs> Nobody well, else does. Well, <laughs> yeah. we are related. You never know. <laughs> but what have you learned from playing with Legos uh -huh. and building those sets that you've applied to your business? I've learned that I do like, I'm an operator, I'm not a chef, or as I say, I don't drink enough to be a chef. <laughs> but uh, I'm an operator of a restaurant, which I'm comfortable with. I used to try to be everything. I'm not everything. A lot of my people are better than I am at things. And so being organized and fastidious, they say that a restaurant operator gets uh, interrupted once every two and a half minutes. So I haven't thought of anything for more than two and a half minutes for the last 50 years. Right. And so you just learn how to do these things. It's almost like playing 10 or 12 chess games all at the same time. And I hate to say it, but when I'm in a catering party where we're serving thousands of people or 7,000 like we served for a, a conference in town here a while ago, right before it starts, I feel like that movie where the guy is sitting on the beach in Vietnam and he says, I love the smell of napalm in the morning. <laughs> I love that feeling right before you say go and you start serving everybody to make sure it works and make sure the systems all come out right. I just love that time. The things that you've learned as a business owner, mm -hmm. has that come from the biographies that you've read over the years? Yes, I read a lot of biographies, um, mostly real life biographies, okay. people overcoming things, people turning their directions. I've noticed that people tend to be, they're in this certain area and right. they go from here to here. Right. Then there's other people in this area that go from here to here, they go, or people in this area. Every once in a while you get a person that actually transcends their area that they're destined for. Ah. And they try to be something that they're not. They'll maybe get an education and their family didn't. They right. maybe try to stay out of prison and their family didn't. They maybe try to not take drugs and their family didn't. And they want to improve themselves or they want to get a job that makes more sense. I love to be that person that takes them from that spot to the very next spot. I love to get over that hump so they're in a whole other category of where they're going. To that end, one of the things that you talked about in the last segment right. is the retirement plan that you have Oh yes, <laughs> for, yes. for Mossman's. Because when somebody comes in through the back door of your, of your business and to become a dishwasher, yes. they at that time have no desire or interest in buying Mossman's. Correct. We have a little different philosophy here. My philosophy is anyone who starts working for me on the first day, I treat them as if they're gonna own or buy their own business. Mm. That's just, if they can learn as much as they wanna learn, they can go as far as they want, all that kind of thing. You'll notice we've got people here 30, 35, 40 years, and they've gone to where they wanna go. Now, I also recognize in the restaurant business, certain people are here for a very short period of time, and they're right. going somewhere else. It doesn't fit them. Some people are here for longer than that. Right. And some people use it as a stepping stone. Like I said, uh, I've got people who are head of detectives in Delano. I've got people who are school teachers. I've got people who are lawyers and attorneys. I've got people that used to work here. And they always remember working here. Right. And we try to facilitate that for them. Now, you were just talking about your enjoyment of biographies of, the, of people getting over the humps or going into in the, next level. In the next level as they grow. Sure. How have you applied that for the retirement plan yes. for your managers and, and putting that together because there's a lot of business owners <laughs> that are trying to figure out how to hand off the reins to the next generation without having to go through a broker to sell the business or if they don't have the children to be able to do it. You've actually come up with a system and a plan Yes. To do that. How's that work? Yes, it's working real well so far. Like I say, we put separate money aside for our manager. They, they collect it and save it over four or five years. They can give it back to me as a down payment, which I think is good. But it really is, depends on the person. You have to get over the emotional attachment to the building. Mm -hmm. I remember watching my grandfather give and or sell the business to my father. Right. And there was a customer that complained to my grandfather about what was going on. And I know my grandfather agreed with this customer because I'd heard him say it a hundred times. Right. And instead of actually encouraging this complaint from this customer, he looks at the customer, he goes, I'm not in charge anymore. 
go ask him. He's running the show. Right. And as I get older, I always admired him for being able to do that. Right. You've got to be willing to let go. If you can let go and get over the emotional attachment, I've always pictured myself as a guy that chains myself to the bulldozer before they knock <laughs> the building down. That's me. Right. But you've got to let that go, and you've got to encourage those managers that they can build something in their image. They can build uh, something that they're concerned about. They can build something that they have a passion for. Doesn't, don't continue my passion. Right. Figure out what your passion is, right. and then continue that passion. And even while they're here, what can I help you do to get into that? We've got some people who are interested in decorating, creating things. We have a decorating budget. We send them to places where they learn about decorating, and that's more what they're interested in, how they're interested in promoting that part of the business. Right. The cooking guy, I send him to cooking school stuff. He cooks. You know, it's just promote what they're interested in. Don't carry on what I do. I'm going to be dead someday. Just do what you like to do and enjoy doing. Are you going through and systematically doing a training process for those managers where they're learning the various aspects of managing, but more importantly, taking ownership of the business as they're putting the financial investment into the business. Yeah, I try to expose them. One of my, my, one of my definitions is uh, I'm exposing you to everything that I do or know. Right. Our training is not that good at a mom and pop's place, as you may know. I right. used to tell people, hey, if you need training and a video and tests, you're either going to join the Army or work at McDonald's. Because <laughs> they got the sure. best training and the best facilities. That's not us. Right. You need to find a buddy that's a friend of yours or a relative of yours, and they'll answer your questions about the bathroom and the breaks and what to wear and where to go, and then we'll muddle through this and get it through you. I just try to expose the people who are interested into more and more things that I do. Take them with me and go places and show them things and let them go to it. I let them see the business and the numbers and count them. I, I introduce them to the bank. I introduce them to our suppliers. I introduce them to things that we do, and I listen to what they say. When I was young, I would get 10 ideas, and I'd get rid of all of them but one maybe. Now that I'm older, I take 10 ideas and I'll let them try eight or nine of them knowing that four of them are going to fail, don't care. And a couple of them, they surprise me and they succeed. Right. And try to do what I can and I listen much more and let them try what they think is important and they buy in and they really enjoy doing that. And you end up going, gee, I had no idea. That's exactly, I, I didn't know if that would work. I, okay, thank you. Great idea. Glad you thought of it because I didn't think of that. We have a great saying around here too, that's a better idea. Uh -huh. And I love hearing my people, you know, we'll do this and do this and somebody else, and, the, and my managers will go, that's a better idea. And they start doing it that way. I love that happens. What makes you wake up every morning oh, and open your business? I wish I do. It's probably tradition mostly just getting up and going to work every day. That's the right. thing that's made, I hate to say it's overcome the most flaws. It's not because I know things or I'm smart or I'm good at something. But if you just wake up and go to work every day, you overcome a lot of problems. Right. And if I had it to do over again, I'd take more time for myself. And mm -hmm. I think there's not only, sure you find who you are in the business, but you also find yourself out of the business. I encourage you people to enjoy what you do, to love what you do, to pass it on to other people. Let them become proficient in it. Take more risk and take more time letting them be themselves and doing this. And then enjoy where you're going. And it's, it's a great, fabulous thing to serve people and enjoy serving people. It's a gift. I love it. What do you have to say to the business owner that's having a rough time or struggling right now? You're absolutely right. Uh, there's no question about that. There's no yellow brick road. Uh, there's no rainbow at the end of the thing. Uh, you really need to evaluate, you know, what are you accomplishing? Uh, maybe my bank account isn't as big as I thought was successful, but maybe these three guys got to accomplish something. Mm. <laughs> that just means a lot to me. Sure. If visionaries want to get in touch with you, yes. and they've never been to Westchester or Southwest, mm -hmm. how do they do that? Uh, they can come to, uh, let's see, 3610 Weibel Road is our southwest location. They can come to 1819 30th Street downtown, 
or uh, just talk to our people or look around and get on the website and they'll tell you how to get here. What is the website, phone number, social media? Website, the phone number here is 325-2287. Well, I'm sorry, what was that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's on speed dial. It's 325-2287 uh, here. Okay. And uh, call early because like next Friday we're serving a thousand orders of fish and chips here. Wow. And it'll get a little tied up and we're changing our phone system, like I said. Over there it's 832-5130. Okay. And we've got catering numbers and personal numbers and that kind of thing too. Website? Mossman's Catering. And it'll get you to the website and that'll get you going. And of course on Facebook and Instagram. Yeah, I think it's, I don't know the answer to that one. My girls know the answer to that one. It's, uh, it's, yeah, it's Westchester. I don't know the answer to that one, but it's there somewhere. Well, Sorry. that's all right. Well, Rick, this has been a real privilege. Thank you for joining us here in Small Oh, thank Business you, Michael. Thanks for offering me and asking me to come. I really appreciate it. It's great to know and great to do this. Thank you so much. And I'll be right back with my final thought. California's CalSavers program due date of June 30th is just around the corner. And if you don't have a retirement plan set up for your employees by then, you could be in real trouble. Fortunately, you have options. You also have a contact that will help you and your business with your best intentions in mind. Call Debbie Sharpentier of Sharpentier Wealth Strategies at 661-322-5204 or visit her at sharpentierwealth.com and discover what plans she can help you with that will keep you in compliance and provide for a better future for your employees. Call Debbie Sharpentier of Sharpentier Wealth Strategies at 661 322-5204, that's 661-322-5204, or visit her at sharpentierwealth.com today. Debbie Sharpentier is a registered representative of Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation, a broker-dealer member SIPC, and a registered investment advisor. Sharpentier Wealth Strategies is a marketing name for registered representatives of Lincoln Financial Advisors, CRN-4200694-011822. Being a red-tailed hawk. Once there was a sparrowhawk who wanted to be a condor, for he liked the size and respect demanded of it. He began to dream. He began to think, I am going to be a condor. He began to tell all of his friends that he was going to be a condor. But he seldom hunted and he seldom flew until after a while the only ones that were left were the friends who too had great dreams of the future but they too seldom hunted and they seldom flew after a while the only thing left for the sparrowhawk were the scraps left behind by his parents and the occasional dead carcass on the side of the road. One day, he came upon a red-tailed hawk who was taking a drink out of the spring on a wonderful spring morning. He went up to the red-tailed hawk and he said, You look magnificent! You are big and strong. How did you do that? And before the red-tailed hawk could answer, the sparrow hawk said, I am going to be a condor. The red-tailed hawk stopped him and he said, 
It is good to dream. It is better to live. I hope you enjoyed our conversation this week with Rick Mossman, the owner of Mossman's Coffee Shops and Catering. And I hope you learned something that you can use today to grow a strong and profitable business. And we'll see you here again next week. Thank you for listening to the Small Business Celebration Podcast. Some of today's music was brought to you by Ted Hammond, and you might find more of Ted's music at ReverbNation.com forward slash Ted Hammond. That's ReverbNation.com forward slash Ted Hammond. If you enjoyed this episode and gained some insight from it for your business, subscribe to the Small Business Celebration Podcast at iTunes.com forward slash Small Business Celebration and give us a five-star review. Also, if there's a business you'd like us to interview, reach out to us on LinkedIn and Facebook and let us know. Until next time, I'm your host, Michael Roberts of the Small Business Celebration Podcast, and we wish you a strong and profitable business.